welcome to UCYP, where we have uphill conversations with young professionals. Real conversations with bright, forward-thinking YPs. You know, every generation is different than those who've come before. And rather than generalities, we want to hear unique, individual perspectives of the generation that's currently on the rise. We want to elevate the voices, talent, and contributions of YPs in order to build a bridge to connect the past, present, and future generations, helping them to be heard, to be understood, and ultimately, to see them lead. Welcome to episode 10 of UCYP. Uh, Tim, how are you doing today? I'm doing absolutely wonderful. Fantabulous, actually. Fantabulous, wow. Yeah. That's a strong statement. Hanging out with my daughter. <laughs> what? Those are, those are words that she uses. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I've been hanging out with her. She just, fantabulous. Oh, you I know like they, it. They come yeah. up with cool words. Yeah. Better than mine sometimes. <laughs> that just makes me think of the fact that my daughter, Eileen, now has said that the only nicknames that she likes are the ones that you call Eden. Well, they are great. They're fantabulous. <laughs> <laughs> They're great names. I, I worked know. hard to find those little names. I know her. you did. I was like, Eileen, so is Peanut okay? And she's like, no, I don't like that. I've been calling her that since before she was born. And now she's resisting it. It's too bad. I'm still going to call her that. You can call her that. <laughs> but what I'll do is whenever I see her next time, I'll say, hey, you want the nicknames like Eden has? <laughs> I should get her a shirt with one of them on there. Yeah, she'd love the heck out of that. <laughs> So, well, uh, hey, what about you? What have you been up to? Oh, man. Um, let's see. I went to the Notre Dame-Georgia game, which was pretty awesome. There was um, a lot of Georgia fans there. There were a lot of Georgia fans there, absolutely. And it's kind of funny, actually. Some of the um, One of the guests that we had on the show, Harold Hughes with mm-hmm. Bandwagon, um, I sent him some pictures, and he just he was also wondering what it, what it must have been like in there with all the, all the red, but... It was it was pretty intense. Yeah, I saw it on TV. I was it was a great game. I wish we would have won. Notre Dame would have won. However, it was a great game and it was a one point loss. I know. So it wasn't too terrible. No, and they did well this last weekend. Yeah, and I kept my emotions in check, which <laughs> leads right into what we're going to talk about. I know you didn't like cry for us today. <laughs> didn't cry. Usually, didn't throw my, anything. I'm usually I'm pretty good when my team loses. Like even yeah. in my whole sports life and everything, like mm-hmm. I was never one of those to just like freak out for losing. Yeah. Now I'd beat myself up on the inside if there was something I did wrong. You right. know what I mean? Like I kind of was a big contributor to mm-hmm. why we lost. You know, right. everyone makes mistakes, but I usually handle that pretty good. But I do have some friends that like you know break things. Oh yeah, no. I one of my brother's friends. This is still to this day. I remember it was a he's a University of Michigan fan and. Um, you know, a really good guy, but I think he punched a hole in his wall because they were they were losing, and it's like, dude, it's like college kids. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Well, it's college, and someone else will fix that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or oh, his you, hand was okay. Or, or you hang, or you hang a picture over. Right. <laughs> no big thing. <laughs> so emotions, we um, we want to get into like improving, helping people improve their emotional mm-hmm. capacity or their strength, mm-hmm. emotional strength. Um, I think we all know. Um, there are some people that are very expressive with their emotions Mm -hmm. and some people that kind of keep them stuffed down, Mm -hmm. you know, or try to avoid them. Mm -hmm. But regardless, we need to understand no matter which side of the table we're on or somewhere in the middle that there, our emotions are a very important part of who we are, Mm -hmm. but emotional strength is important for us when it comes to our total person 
to um, really see and realize our true capacity and what we're capable of doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that especially for young professionals out there and as you are growing in your career, in your business, in your company, or even as an individual, it's so important to improve on your own emotional strength and resiliency. And I think that, you know, emotional intelligence is a part of that. But we focus so much on that these days, just EQ versus IQ, that I think we don't dig a little bit deeper into that whole idea of becoming an emotionally strong person. Yeah. And the the scariest part is when we don't really recognize those emotions and how mm-hmm. they because they're going to eat they're going to ooze out mm-hmm. you know it's like a gas line like they have a release like it's gradually always letting out a little bit of something mm-hmm. and and it's pressure if I gave you a two liter say you wanted some soda which I know you don't drink any and I don't I'm not a <laughs> soda drinker but if I shook that sucker up before I gave it mm-hmm. to you you know there's only one way to open it yeah you either have to wait or you have to you know, twist mm-hmm. the cap little by little yep. to release that pressure, mm-hmm. right? And um, and it's a challenging thing because a lot of us, we don't know what to do with our emotions. And I mm-hmm. like to always remind people that your mind has the ability to reason, but your emotions do not. Mm-hmm. To start out, we have this interesting article um, that was actually in Inc. Magazine, and it's seven brilliant things emotionally intelligent people do when their buttons are pushed. So basically, there's always going to be conflict in the workplace. It's something that you can't avoid. Uh, actually um, wrote a article or a blog on it on our Uphill Strategies website. It's, you know, a conflict is inevitable, so why don't we get better at it? So what I really liked about this article is it really zeroed in on ways that you can respond to conflict using emotional intelligence. And What they say is really the path to managing conflict is choosing to respond rather than react. And I think that that is really where you have a lot of ability to decide which direction you're going to go is taking that time to think about response and be thoughtful rather than just reacting emotionally. When you react emotionally, a lot of times you end up on the other side with some sort of regret. Mm-hmm. You'll feel it later. Yeah. Like you'll know. You may not admit it. Most people go, I don't care. I don't care. It's how I felt. Mm-hmm. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Because you'll think about it. It'll creep up. Something will tap you on the shoulder, you know, and it's the whole world inside of you saying, uh, hey, that's mm-hmm. not probably not the best way to go. Mm-hmm. But, you know, responding with a decision is much better than reacting And then just, you know, going with whatever comes back at Mm -hmm. you. Because, you know, I tell people you can speak to the king or the queen in somebody, Mm -hmm. you know, or the warrior in them. So based on my response to somebody and how I, you know, if I'm reacting to them, Mm -hmm. I'm actually causing that warrior in them to rise up more than likely, Mm -hmm. you know, to defend themselves. But if I speak with a response and I'm thoughtful and mindful and do a decision to say, look, I can take this in another direction. Now I'm putting honor on them. I'm respecting them, even if maybe they're not respecting me. I don't have to fight fire with fire. Mm -hmm. 
No, you don't. And I think that what's interesting is when you have people, so this might be a little bit of a rabbit trail, but um, I'm someone who I was raised where, you know, you, you can always do better. You should always be trying to achieve more. So you come home with, let's say, a B on a paper and it's, hey, well, I think could you have worked a little bit harder? Could you continue to strive to get better? And I think what happens is that can lead to, I know a lot of other young professionals, it's this feeling of uh, perfectionism and always thinking that you have to be perfect. And if somebody comes at you with something that maybe is a blind spot for you or something that you didn't think about, what they're doing is they're actually trying to help you, but you can perceive that as them attacking you and saying that you didn't do something right or you didn't do something well. So it's that whole idea of taking a pause and waiting. One of these is, you know, take a six second pause, but also try to put yourself in their shoes and remember who they are and their relationship to you. Because if you allow yourself to just react with the way that it's in you, because it can sting to realize that there's a blind spot or you miss something, but you need to remember that that person isn't doing it to harm you. They're doing it because they care. Right. And that pause is going to help you to get that perspective. And that's what you're saying, you know, as well as that, you know, that sting and that feeling like, ooh, I need to pause here, mm-hmm. get perspective. Who is this person in my life? Mm-hmm. You know, so if it's someone that I know, I should be able to use some evidence that I have that, wait a second, you know, they're not trying to harm me. Mm-hmm. Now, if I do have evidence that that's all they ever do is harm me, I need to be careful. You know, I may need to lay low on my decision. Mm-hmm. I need to be able to just chill out, you know, relax for a minute here. And I could even delay my decision. I can choose not to respond. Because remember, it's all about how I'm feeling on the inside, ultimately. You know, it, um, it, you, know it, you should never be forced into responding to somebody. That's not a healthy thing. So in that pausing and then with that getting your perspective, you know, thinking over the, your situation, do it more with a rational in a, with rationality. Mm-hmm. And the only way, once again, your emotions do not have the ability to um, reason. You need your mind for that. So that pause helps you to let your brain interpret what's going on to then say, hey, hold on a second. Think this through. What is going to be the consequence? Remember, you want to avoid the drama. You want to um, make sure that you're not just drawing your own conclusions. You want to get to a better place in the situation. So you can pause. You can think before you respond or even react. But you could also delay. It's okay to say, "Hey, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to walk away." Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, and I think that that's okay. I mean, I think that you're going to find that challenge where maybe you're in a situation where it's a coworker or a boss or maybe it's a team member and they're going to be the ones who are coming to you with that conflict. And you may not have the luxury of being able to say, uh, I need to take a pause and think, I need to take a pause. But you can say, thank you for that perspective. Let me think about that a little bit before I respond. And so I think there's a way to very gracefully uh, give yourself some room to make sure that you're not responding with emotion. But I think that that leads us into um, something that that you researched uh, for this, Tim, and it's this whole idea of emotional capacity, which is basically your ability to manage your emotions. And the fact that emotionally strong people are proactive in dealing with their emotions. So one thing that that made me think of as we were just talking through this is when you have different relationships, I think that the way that you respond or the level of emotion that you respond with 
it's going to differ depending on maybe how close you are with that person, maybe how vulnerable you feel with that person. So do you think that there is a tendency maybe in a work or a personal environment where there's a deep personal connection that people may have a little bit of a harder time being proactive in dealing with their emotions? Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, you have to, and it's remember, it's how we are perceiving the situation Mm -hmm. and how we are perceiving ourselves in the situation. So you have all these things that are firing all on their own. You know, your brain is automatically just firing things based on what it's experiencing. Your emotions are sending off signals and your brain is without really your participation, trying to now define and to clarify exactly what is going on. You know, um, I'm reading this great book and just think about this. If I were to tell you, like, here's a story of a guy, he's in the woods, he's walking, then he sees a grizzly bear. Okay, so I'm telling you this story. You start to imagine this grizzly bear is 10 feet away from him. The guy begins to run immediately, right? Like he's taking off to get away. These things are happening in this man based on a response because he ran into it. What is he experiencing at that moment? Immediately, his brain, without thinking, has automatically brought memory forward and said this, like this is what needs to happen. This is the danger in front of you. All of those things start, they're real. Right. They're all absolutely real and they're going on inside of him. Right. Mm -hmm. And so here's this person running. Another person may choose to do something else based on whatever is in their catalog or their memory. So they they, they're working with an existing, you know, subset of information. There's information there that's already there. Well, what's interesting is you could tell that story to someone or write it in a book and a person can read it. And let's just say that story is concluded with some ending, but you read the whole thing. And if you're really a person that, um, uh, uh, enjoys reading and thoroughly reads and tries to put yourself into what it is that you're reading and like move into it, you can literally experience the same exact emotions that that person you know, supposedly had and what was written or based on this true account or fictional, whatever it is, if it's a story. It's interesting that the real and the not real are exactly the same based on how you're perceiving it. Mm-hmm. Your your person, your emotions are going to interpret it the same way. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? You can yeah. get goosebumps. You can get chills. You mm-hmm. could feel if it says that this man was captured and his bones were crunched. Mm-hmm. You could even maybe feel like there's there's depths of feeling that you can get. Because of, once again, it's how you are perceiving this situation. So you're absolutely right based on where we feel. Do we feel like we have position here? Do we feel like we're an equal? Do we feel like, you know, we're subordinate? Whatever it is, you're going to interpret based on that. And yes, it will make it that much more challenging on what, you know, what it is that you're going to do and how you're going to respond or react. I think that what that makes me think of is we were talking about this, uh, I think, earlier today, actually. It's this idea that a lot of times what we do when we catalog certain things that happen, we tend to really hold on to those negative things or those bad experiences rather than pull on those good experiences. So when you, let's say you get, you know, you get hit by something that just surprises you. So you think you've done a great job on something, you're rolling along, you're getting your stuff done. And then someone just points out something that, like I said, a mistake that you made or comes at you and um, 
there's something else going on and it just tears you down. Like you can just completely feel crushed by this one thing, even though you, you have all these other great things that are going on. This one thing can really just bring you to your knees. And why do you think that that is? Why do you think is it that we that we don't do a better job holding on to those positive things and focusing on those? Well, I feel like just as once again, as just human beings, what we do is it's easier to mark memories of negative things than it mm-hmm. is on the positive things. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's a lot easier for most people, by and large, to bring up a negative they can identify with quicker than anything positive. Mm-hmm. And it's not just positive thinking. It's understanding that we have to be proactive with our emotions. I think that's the first and foremost thing is that we have to say, I want to be proactive with my emotions. And motions, what's interesting, it's the word is motion in there. So you have to have motion, right, with your emotions. And so it has to move to a better place because if you let them sit there, you're only going to spin your wheels and get stuck. And you can always now find things to confirm what you're feeling to continue to reduce and break you down. And I believe that by and large as people – because of our struggles sometimes with our own self-image, we put ourselves into this spot where we somehow either through some sort of weird justification that maybe what this what's going on and the way I'm feeling is it's because it's true, you know, like it's true. Or we're so much in defense of something that we want to fight for why they can't see mm-hmm. that whatever is happening. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, that is not true. And we find ourselves on the defensive So it's once again, it's still being reactive. So whether we're going to the negative or we think we're defending ourselves, but we're still reactionary with it, that's not the way we need to proactively deal with our emotions. We have to understand a lot of this has to deal with how we are perceiving ourselves Mm -hmm. more so than it is what we're experiencing from the hand of another. Mm -hmm. And I think that the... I think the opposite of that is we had a great conversation with Camille Preston on the uh, Uphill Conversation show. And she talked about with emotion, their emotion has a great deal of energy. And you can, if we can do a better job cataloging those positive things, that's something that we can really grab onto when we get into one of those situations where, where something doesn't go our way. Right. And that's because auto suggestion can kick in. You know, our person can now take the evidence that we have cataloged, as Camille shared in our podcast, and that can be the thing that comes up. You know, it's kind of like reaching for something, right? A baby reaches for a rattle. It's not sitting there thinking about what muscles to move. It's just reaching for it. And then two weeks later, not only the baby can reach for it and grab it with pinpoint accuracy, but Mm -hmm. then they can throw it Mm -hmm. (laughs) without thinking about it. It's just what begins to happen. Well, now as we get into living our lives and our bodies are doing the things they can do, you can sit at a table. I can be talking to you, not even looking to my right, reach over, pick up a pen because I know where it is in the proximity of it. And through a series of trial and error, I know where it is, at least thereabouts, and I'll find it. But I know it's there. And I can bring it back and really without even thinking about it. I'm not sitting there having to think about that pen. Well, that's what we need more of, to be more proactive about collecting that evidence and cataloging those things to help us become a more emotionally strong individual. Mm -hmm. 
And so I think that that's, that's really great talking through just that first thing. So number one, you know, how can you improve, you know, your emotional strength and how can we elevate our emotional capacity is to be more proactive in dealing with our emotions. So the second thing that emotionally strong people do is that they don't waste time feeling sorry for themselves. (laughs) (laughs) So, and, and what I love about this is just this note that you can't moan and lead at the same time. Oh God, that's so true. I'll never forget I had someone say that to me. <laughs> when, <laughs> I literally, I so I used to go to Central America a lot and I would go two times to, at a minimum a year and sometimes four times. So I would go in the spring twice and then the fall, fall, winter twice. And then at minimum it would just be one time spring, one time fall, winter area time. And so I'd either be in Nicaragua, Guatemala, Belize, like, you know, that's where I would go. And so I'll never forget I was in charge of this group and I had all these people that were probably 20 years my senior and they were all professionals, all on their own right, but I was put in charge to lead. And I'll never forget when the person who it was his his it was his event and his activity and his, you know, thing that we were doing was a medical missions thing. And I remember I saw him and his name was Sam Winger and Sam comes over to me and he's like, Hey, Timbo. That's what he would call me. Timbo. He's from Ohio. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, how you doing? He goes, he goes, how's it going? And all I could do is complain. These people don't listen. They're not doing and this and that. And he, Mm -hmm. I was just giving him the whole list of everything. And he looked at me and he said, well, tell me what's going right. And I said, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Did you not hear my list? And he literally said to me, you cannot moan, Tim, and lead at the same time. And he goes, and I bet you if you could get that under control, you'll see that those people will follow you leading. But they probably only see you moaning. Yeah. <laughs> and then he walked off. <laughs> and he walked off. And that's how he was. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a it put me in check it was very humbling mm-hmm. and i think that really is a good it's it's a good gut check for you because i think with young professionals and i know for me i, I always felt this desire to to lead other people not for my benefit but because i just am really drawn to the idea of people coming together to achieve more than you can on your own but i think that you have to remember that a big piece of being able to lead effectively is to not waste time feeling sorry for yourself so you you can't be the one who complain who complains because you have to be the one who's really leading by example and part of that is just learning resilience so a great quote by Eric Gretens is that one mark of resilience is learning to tell which pain deserves our attention. That's so good, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, because I mean, if you think about it, anytime we feel pain, it's like, oh, ow, mm-hmm. mm, this hurts, this hurts, this right. hurts. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we have to understand some pain you're going to just have. Mm-hmm. But which one really needs your attention? That is such a good Well, and I think if you want to be a leader, you have to become more resilient because I Mm -hmm. think that you can't allow those smaller pinpricks or those little pains. You just have to deal with them because you have to protect the people that you're leading from those things. And I I can honestly say that that was, uh, once again, another early lesson for me. I'm not going to go into a story or anything, but my gosh, I mean, sometimes I felt like I I had no resilience. I could just get the gut punch, like, and then another one, and then another one. Then then it's like, well, I quit. <laughs> I'm taking my ball. I'm going home. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's just, it, and maybe, you know, people listening going, I wouldn't do that. I mean, that's fine. Everybody responds and reacts differently. We all have different lives, different paths in our lives, different things that have affected us. And remember, our catalogs are different. 
And so we're retrieving information from a different catalog. But man, oh my gosh. And I'll, you know, it's just, uh, and it's not the whole, you know, kind of, you know, get a grip, get a backbone. It's not that stuff. It's literally that simple, as you put it. And that quote is, you know, which pain deserves, you know, your attention? Because if not, every pain is going to feel like it's, the, it needs your attention and you're just going to be a blob of whatever. It's going to be a mess. Yeah. And I think to go along with that is our is our next point, because I think that you need to also understand that you don't need to wear the emotions of other people. And you also just because you're on a team with someone or you're leading someone just because they're feeling a certain way, you don't have to own that for them. You can work with them. You can help them go through it, but you don't have to wear the pain of all those people around you. And you also, if someone comes at you, you can choose how you respond rather than react. Right. Take that pause and get some perspective on it. Mm -hmm. But also it's important for you to know who you are, right? Yeah. Because if you don't, what's going to happen is in any relationship, there's going to be a person possibly stronger than the other, Mm -hmm. emotionally stronger. And what tends to happen, if you don't really know and have that confidence of who you are, you can be controlled by the, the person who's you know, they're, they're not as emotionally strong as you because you're going to find yourself, you know, like you said, taking on their stuff or not knowing what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Putting yourself in jeopardy almost, which is not a healthy way to do relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think it is. It's just that. So so just to say it clearly, emotionally strong people do not allow others to control their relationships. So basically, it's taking ownership of, you know, what is the what is the role that you are in within the relationship? You know, who are you in that relationship and making sure that you are being authentic to yourself. So, you know, the easiest thing in the world is to be you. And the most difficult thing is to be what other people want you to be. Yeah. And I tell you what, here's something that's really cool with that is think about this. Dysfunctional people want others to function on their level. Mm -hmm. Average people want others to be average and high achievers want others to achieve, Mm -hmm. you know. And so if you can understand that paradigm, you have to understand this same thing goes in this um, in this arena of emotional strength that sometimes this the person who is doesn't operate with their emotional strength, and if you're the person that's a little, you know, you're stronger than this other person, if you're not careful and you don't understand those distinctions, you don't have to participate in that. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, why do you think it is, Megan, that people just feel the need to just join in when a, when the, um, and a person who's emotionally weak, possibly, or weaker, and the, strong, the person who's stronger, they kind of just cave and they give in? I mean, I think that there is just I think that's that basic human desire to be understood and to feel included and to be a part of something. So I think that it can be really tricky, especially if you get into a situation where you you allow somebody else to put their to you allow yourself to wear someone else's perception of you because you feel like it's the only way that you'll be accepted by that person. Mm. That's a scary thought. Yeah. Like, but really, I think it, I mean, but I think it happens. And I think that. I think we all do it. I think we all do it. I mean, I, I definitely know for me, you know, I'm, I'm on the upper end of uh, what is considered young professionals. But I know 
early in my career, that was that was a really hard thing because you're you're in you know maybe you're in a new company, you're learning new things. There are so many different people who you can learn from, and you know, and I think we've even talked about this before. The way that somebody teaches you to do something, that's that's how they they're teaching you how they view the world and how things should be done. So I think that it takes someone with high emotional intelligence and also a good amount of self-awareness to be able to differentiate between is this person teaching me from their perspective in doing something the right way or are they just teaching me and showing me something in how they believe it should be. Um, but I know that it can be, you know, as a as a young professional in in a new company in a place where, you know, you just feel like you're learning and you want to fit in and you want to be a part of the culture. If you allow yourself to be in a relationship with somebody who is pulling you in a direction that feels like it doesn't go with your authentic self, it can be really hard to go against that because that emotional need to be accepted and to fit in. Right. And I think when you know who you are, remember, like you said, the training, it's like, this is what a person believes. And so this is what they're teaching you. Mm -hmm. It still ends up being in your lap. Mm -hmm. What do you believe about it? You know, you can't consistently behave in a way that's inconsistent with how you view yourself or what your belief system tells you, right? So um, one of the things I like about this is, you know, I wear different hats, you know. So who am I? I'm a business partner. I'm a father, husband, friend, neighbor. Like whatever you are, you have a hat for that. And you have to know how to relate with those, you know, in those relationships. So they all have a different way of relating. You know, however, my need for emotional strength is still going to be the same. You know what I mean? Like, I can't, I don't need to change who I am. I just have to relate differently. And I have to really learn about who I am in order to do that. It reminds me of this really neat story. I'm going to tell you really quick. So, um, you know, there's this book that I read and, and in there, there's a story that Dr. Henry Cloud likes to tell. And he's one of my favorite psychologists. And so he, he talks about this man who has his company and he wants to retire and he wants to hand it over to his son. And so one day he's up, you know, he's getting close to doing it and going to sit his son down and say, I'm going to hand you this business, blah, blah, blah. And um, so long story short, the dad comes out and looks and he sees his son berating an employee, just tearing them apart and just screaming and demeaning them. And so the father comes right down, grabs his son and says, come with me, brings him into an office and he sits him down and he says, I am tired of you doing that because I guess it's happened before. Mm -hmm. And he goes, and there is no way that I am going to sit by while you just work somebody over like that. Mm -hmm. And he goes, so you're fired. Wow. <laughs> like literally yeah. just like that, you're fired. And he said, now let me put my father hat on. And he says, son, I heard you lost your job. How can I help you? <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm trying to like imagine being in that chair. like. <laughs> but you know what I mean? But it's like yeah. knowing the difference on that. Mm -hmm. So, But also if you notice, he had to relate with his emotional strength in different ways. But it was, it's, really, it's really telling that he handled it like this boss. Mm -hmm. He protected people. He mm -hmm. wasn't going to tolerate that. And he put this kid in, even though it was his son, put him in his place, fired him. Then said, now let me be a father. Heard you lost your job. How can I help you? It's a different way of relating to the exact same person, which is interesting to me. No, I think that that, I think that is really interesting. And I, I just sort of think about that whole idea of as, 
as someone starting out, I think that it's so important. I think one of one of the important things we talked about with emotional intelligence is empathy, and it's being able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. But how do you think asking questions relates to being emotionally intelligent? Because I think that sometimes you can be in a situation where people are very open to maybe asking questions and saying, hey, can we look at this in a different way? And I think that sometimes people aren't. So how do you deal with the situation maybe that you're in where you know that something is in conflict with who you are in a relationship and you want to ask a question to try to figure out the best way to resolve it, but the other person is basically saying, you know, they're like isn't allowing you the the um, the room to even have a conversation. Well, you know, that's where I feel like that's where you can get perspective and pause. You mm-hmm. need to, and I think it's still asking a question. It's more of like, do you? Would you like to resolve this? Would you like to have conversation around this? And then what you can do is set, you want to set boundaries. You want to do your best to set boundaries. And you even have to say, like, I want this to be a two-way conversation. Do do you? Would that make a difference if we could talk? One person shares their thought one thing at a time, and then the other one's able to respond. You know, so I think you want to set your your boundaries for how the conversation is going to flow. In other words, take turns. Um, and hopefully most reasonable people will do that. Once again, it depends on what this person's being ruled by. Are they going to be emotionally ruled or are they going to let, let their thinking do the reasoning for them and go, wow. So you want to put priority on relationship. You want to get back to the point that says, the reason I'm asking you these questions is because this relationship is important to me. So I'm wearing this hat, whatever relationship hat it is, in this situation with this person who doesn't want to give me the room. And then I'm going to then move in and say, set it up with real to their emotions because it is an emotional thing. I want them to think about it emotionally. I care about you. And I have some questions I'd like to ask you in order for us to resolve this because that's what I ultimately would like with you. And I think, though, you can I I do think that that is definitely the best way to handle it. But I think that you also need to get to a point where if you are someone who's emotionally strong, you need to learn that you you just can't waste energy on things that you can't control. You are going to get to a point, you are going to have situations where there are things that are just beyond your control. I mean, outside of, of course, there's obviously natural disasters. You know, we had uh, Irma come through and school got canceled. And, you know, those are things that, that you can't control. So allowing that to I mean, so that's probably a great example. So what you need to do is you have this challenge in front of you. You have to say, okay, this happened. Now, what can I what can I do as a result? How can I make this work for me rather than just being paralyzed by the fact that something is happening beyond your control? Right. And that's our fourth thing, mm-hmm. that emotionally strong people do not waste energy on things they cannot control. Mm-hmm. And it's a fact of life that we all must understand the difference between a fact of life and a problem. A fact of life is something you cannot control or fix. A problem is something that you can fix. Mm -hmm. That's hard for us. Yeah. You know, um, because in some of our personality types, if you think about it, some people have more control issues than others. Mm -hmm. I don't know any people like that. (laughs) Guilty. (laughs) (laughs) But that, you know, but it's just that thing. Like, I got to be in control of this. Do you really? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, you know, not, mm-hmm. I shouldn't say it's not that sarcastic, but like right. for real, like, do you really need the control? Mm-hmm. And usually that's an indicator that someone's trying to protect something. Once again, mm-hmm. it goes back to, I believe what's tied to a self-image mm-hmm. that a person feels like they have to have that control, mm-hmm. which is going against their emotional capacity mm-hmm. and the strength that yeah. they could realize that would help them, you know, put, you know, the emotions for their emotions. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so there aren't, there aren't many things that we, I mean, there are many things that we have no control over, mm-hmm. but what are the things Megan that you can control? I, I think, you know, when you think about that, definitely, you know, my attitude. So only I can determine how I think and feel, uh, I can manage my time. So I can decide Am, am I going to look at a, a list of things that I have to do that's two pages long? And am I going to sit there and let that paralyze me? Or am I going to figure out what are my priorities and how am I going to schedule those? Um, and that leads into priorities. So only I can determine what's important in my life um, and give to those things. Yeah, And I think what I want to add to that is it, also the passion part you know, that's important for what I can control. It's my passion. Mm -hmm. I can't give you my passion. I can show it to you, Mm -hmm. right? That's a whole thing. So, you know, I'm the one that will identify what I love, what I was created to do. Um, Another one I want to add is the potential, you know, that only I am the one. I can commit myself to grow. Nobody can force that on me. So I can control my growth, right, and my, my potential, and then also my my calling. I believe that each one of us were fearfully and wonderfully made with a purpose by a, a heavenly God creator. I believe there's a mastermind behind us. Just as we are the operator of mm-hmm. our body and being, and we're the operator of this brain, which is like our supercomputer. Mm-hmm. You know, a plane needs an operator. Even a, even a drone needs an operator. You know, you have to have that. So we are the ones that get to operate this thing. I'm in control of that. You know, I am unless something, you know, I'm struck with some kind of sickness or illness where I lose all kind of control. I mean, I don't know. That's the only time Mm -hmm. that I cannot. But I think those are good takeaways for people for the things that they control. Mm -hmm. Attitude, time, priorities, right? Passion, potential, and calling. I'm sure somebody can come up with more on that list, but these are some little helpful tips. Yeah. Well, and I think that when we're looking at things that you can control, all those things, there's a choice. You can make a conscious choice of of all of those things. So you can, it's, you're going to make a decision. Are you going to be happy today or are you going to be stuck in the pit? Are you going to be creative or are you going to be reactive? And so I think that's kind of a cool thing that Tim actually introduced to me um, last week. So why don't you talk a little bit about creative versus reactive? Well, what's really cool about it is if you take the word, you know, the word reactive and then you take the word creative, they both have the same exact letters. The difference is, obviously, reactive, there's an R in the front, creative, the C's in front. So if you have the word reactive, make the shift by taking the C and moving it in front of the R. And get creative Mm -hmm. instead of reactive. So I like to use that for myself. Like when I see, oh, I'm about to react, I know that I can, I want to create. I want to pull that C out to the front and be a little bit more creative in how I'm going to respond. That is going to help me also because if I can give my brain a project to creatively solve this problem, I'm less likely to get so emotionally engaged that it's, you know, just a big problem. It's explosive. And, you know, when you watch, I'm a big fan of like, like snapped, 
you know, and, and like, you know, killer couples and things oh like, God. I know it's kind of scary, but I mean, I like those, <laughs> I, but you know, because there, I have a secret, like, like investigator in me, I think a CSI guy. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, that's my main thing. It's not the, you know, these people going crazy, <laughs> but it's interesting that how many times people, they say, why'd you do this? And they mm-hmm. say, well, I wasn't thinking. And I think that that's really scary. You, it, it's emotions, like you said, are important. Those are central to what it means to be a human being. And they're what leads to so many of the joys and the passion and the wonderful things in life come from your emotions. But you can't be, you can't let emotions rule who you are. You need to learn how to become more emotionally strong. And what that means is just really being self-aware, really knowing who you are and really knowing what are those triggers? What are those things that are going to set you off? And as you learn those things about yourself, learn how to manage them better. You know, and I wish I had somebody to help me with that, you know, a little earlier in my life. I eventually got mentors and some coaches in my life um, that helped me with that. I was one of those, I built, I had a long, long fuse. And I was one of those guys that slowly built the explosive device that I was going to let go, you know, emotionally on you, mm-hmm. you know, and it was slow. I wasn't one of those quick fuse, boom, mm-hmm. I blow up. It was, mm, <laughs> keep talking. You know what I mean? I was one of yeah. those types of people. Um, but it was through coaching and mentoring. And those of you who are listening, you know, you can find us on the website, you know, um, just go into ucyp.co. Um, you could email us, Tim at uphillconversations.co or Megan at uphillconversations.co. And if you would like to even just have a conversation with us, we could set up, set you up, you, you contact us. We would even do a complimentary basic conversation with you for 15 minutes um, to just see where you are on that because that's part of what you and I do, Megan. We work with with young professionals. We work with business owners. We work with teams and companies, and we help them, even in areas like this, how to process these types of things. And we help them with that self-image, that inner belief in those types of things. And we do it in a way that is really a focus just on who you are. Once again, it's not about what our experience is. It's about finding out where you are because this is what, you know, if you look at a map, you are here. Well, your pin and my pin are in different places, right? So we, you know, we want to encourage you, those that are listening, that if you are going, gosh, this is hitting the nail on the head here, I would love to have a conversation and you can email both or one of us and um, we will definitely set up because we never want to see a person in a spot where they feel so emotionally weak that they're not able to realize their capacity. Yeah, absolutely. So um, just to give a quick recap of what we talked about today. So really just having a great conversation around not only emotional intelligence, but what it means to be emotionally strong and how to really develop your own emotional capacity. So first and foremost, emotionally strong people are proactive in dealing with their emotions. So you can do things to influence your own emotions. You can't control them, but you can change them through your actions. Number two, emotionally strong people don't waste time feeling sorry for themselves. Remember, you can't moan and lead at the same time. Number three, emotionally strong people do not allow others to control their relationships. So an emotionally strong person usually has the ability to adjust to difficult relationships while the weaker person can't or won't. And then lastly, emotionally strong people do not waste energy on things they can't control. So remember, you have to know the difference between what is effective life and what is 
a problem. Yeah. And, and then on the positive of that last one, remember the things that you can control mm-hmm. are your attitude, your time, your priorities, your passion, your potential, and your calling. And also, you know, remember that when you are, when you do come upon an obstacle or if somebody does something and you feel that immediate sort of emotional pull to react, remember there's a big difference between being reactive and being creative. So we would just encourage you to continue to work on your own creativity. So everyone, remember, you can find us on Twitter at the UCYP. We also have an Instagram account, so you can uh, find us there and make sure that you're uh, favoriting and sharing um, our Instagram posts. We also have a Facebook group where we love to share just awesome information um, with you. We have uh, some great um, workshops that we are working on right now that we're hopefully going to be putting out into the world in the next I'm excited. month or so. I know, me too. Oh. Oh, first one's around dreams. Oh, oh we're going to help you dream. <laughs> we're going to help you dream. Ten questions to help you find out if your dream mm-hmm. is really yours and how to get there. Yeah. So connect with us because we definitely want to make sure that um, you are aware of those great things that are coming up. So remember, at the end of the day, what we really want to do on UCYP is we want to elevate the voices of young professionals. We want to bridge the gap between generations. And more than anything, we want to inspire you to lead. 